everyone. Guys, today is uh, week four of this thing that we're doing called Explore God. It's over 800 churches in the Chicagoland area that are journeying together to look at seven foundational, fundamental life questions, questions of reality, questions that underpin Christianity and that it's built on. And today we come to one that, um, well, it's the emotional one, I think. It's the one that, depending on who you talk to about it, it, it elicits all kinds of either anger or fear or tension or uncomfortableness or awkwardness. Maybe it's done the same for you. The question that we're looking at today is this. Is Christianity too narrow? The challenge of living in a culture like ours is that with such an amazing diversity of people and beliefs and religious expressions and ways of viewing the world, it becomes difficult, I think, for many of us to navigate how that all fits together in a harmonious society. And, and it leads many of us to a place that we feel as though if we make truth claims, we're being obnoxious or arrogant or something of the sort. And the challenge, of course, of our age is how to interact and, and learn and, and, and even see the perspectives of others in this, this diverse landscape that we live in while at the same time seeking this thing that we call truth. There's this classic Hindu story. I'm sure many of you have heard it at one point or another, which is about a king who chooses to run an experiment. And the king brings an elephant into his court. And then he invites a bunch of wise men who happen to be blind to come in and tell him what this thing is that's standing there in their midst. And you know how the story goes. The first blind man comes up and he starts to feel around and he, and he feels towards the front of the elephant and he feels this long kind of hose-like thing, feels the trunk. And he goes... Yes, this thing that, that's before me, it's, 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 it's like a snake, but bigger and stronger. And then the next blind man comes in, and he comes up to the side of the elephant, and he keeps feeling around the side of it, and he goes, this thing is like a wall. It's like a wall that stands before me that's big and solid. And of course, another comes up and starts feeling around one of the legs and feels that it's round. He's like, this thing before me is like a tree, feels like a trunk of some kind. And of course, the moral of the story is no one actually sees clearly that all of these things are just describing a portion of what is in fact one in the same thing, but seeing it unclearly. And of course, it's used as a modern-day parable to talk about how all religions today are groping in the dark, trying to figure out what stands behind reality. And none of us seem clearly, but in fact, all of us are really just variations on the same thing, just describing our own certain portion. And then it was pointed out to me by someone 
Because I find that people love to tell this story. They love to tell this story as a way of saying, no, see, we're all just the same. But it was pointed out to me that the story only works from the vantage point of the king. See, it sounds very tolerant and warm to say that all religions believe the same thing. But it's actually a very arrogant claim if you think about it, because what you're in fact saying is, I am not blind like the rest of you. I actually do see clearly. You follow what I mean? Only the king sees clearly in the story. Only the king stands above it all and sees the entire landscape. And so to claim something like that, while sounding tolerant and humble, is actually saying the same thing, that I have got the corner on it. I see clearly. And I think it reveals something, that at some level, all of us are exclusivists. Each and every person, no matter what they say, makes exclusive claims about reality. Whether you're here today and you say there is a God, or there is not. Whether you're here today and say that, that God is, is triune or, or God is one or God is in all or there's many gods or, or no one can really know all of these are making reality statements. And I've come to the conclusion that I think it's, it's just far better that instead of denying the beliefs that we have to take our exclusive tames, claims and just put them on the table. And to say, this is what I think, and this is what I see, and this is how I believe. And then to have an open and honest conversation about that. See, for a lot of people, I find that there is a fear that they believe or think that Christianity is narrow. And of course, to be narrow is to be intolerant. And to be intolerant is the cardinal sin of our age. But the reality is, truth is narrow. I mean, let me give you some examples today. How many ways can our guitar players play a G chord? What if one of our guitar players came and said, I want to hold my fingers any way I can on this strut. And I believe that we need to equally embrace any kind of finger position when we play. Would that give us something that's beautiful or good or harmonious? I mean, there's only so many different ways you can play a G. Gravity happens. It's reality, and it's not narrow to say so. In fact, it's good to say so, because it can get you into, or better, out of, a lot of trouble if you believe otherwise. Is it intolerant for a doctor who discovers the cure of cancer to say, you can't cure cancer by taking cold medicine? 
It's not going to work for you, but let me show you what I've found that actually works. No, we would celebrate someone like that. We would applaud someone like that. We would thank someone like that for bringing their discovery, their narrow, exclusive claim to the table. I find that the discussion with this question for so many people has to begin by realizing that narrow does not mean intolerant. Jesus was narrow. Jesus made many truth claims. I want to share a couple of passages with you from Jesus' lips. Once, he says this, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. It's a pretty narrow claim. Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. It's an exclusive claim. Jesus was not afraid of making narrow, exclusive claims because Jesus was interested with reality. For Jesus, reality mattered. And rather than step back from his view of reality, he brought his exclusive claims to the table so they could be talked about honestly, just as we're talking about now, 2,000 years later. Because for Jesus, being narrow wasn't a bad thing. For Jesus, being narrow was actually a good thing. Because what narrowness does for Jesus is it limits options to that which is in accord with the reality and that which is not, to that which works and that which doesn't, to that which will lead to life and health and help, and that which ultimately, as warm as it might feel, will not. And he lays it on the table for each of us to wrestle with. It's a fascinating thing with Jesus that for him, truth is narrow, but grace is wide. Because for Jesus, narrow never meant exclusive. People hear narrow and they think it's just for them over there. They're hoarding it to themselves over there. They think they've got it and they don't want anyone else to be apart. But this was never the way of Jesus with truth and reality. The irony of Jesus, you could say, is that while he makes the most exclusive, narrow claims, he makes them as claims that are available to anyone that the narrow road was not just restricted to Jews like him, but that it was also for Samaritans, for Romans, for pagans, 
for the irreligious, for the Greeks, and anyone else who wanted to learn from his view of reality. That when Jesus came to say, I am the way, he said it was a way that he would make available to all. That while nobody would come to the Father except through him, simultaneously everyone could come to the Father. Right through him. And the balance, of course, is how to maintain a narrow view of what reality actually is with a grace that's wide and deep and available for all. And Jesus encompassed this in his life. He, he embodied this. One who was so unafraid to make the most explicit truth claims even in difference to the other claims around, and then extend it and give it to anyone who would have it. In this way of Jesus, this pattern, it, it rooted itself among these early followers of Jesus I think of Paul, one who is often sadly mischaracterized as being intolerant, who's the one who says things like this. With Jesus, there's no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all in and all. It was he who said there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, that Christ is available to you. If you belong to Christ... You're Abraham's seed, heirs, heirs according to his promise. Christianity is simultaneously about truth and inclusivity, about a view of reality and the world, what is true and what is false, but a truth that out of grace, out of love, out of compassion for a world and the people in who inhabit it. That God says I make available to each and every one of you. And make no mistake, it can be hard to believe sometimes. It can be hard to believe, I think, because we see what certain Christians do in the name of truth or in the name of Christ. And it can be very off-putting for some. It can feel very exclusive. It's sad that, that the truth that God wanted to be available to all often gets codified into what becomes known as religion, which becomes very territorial and exclusive. It happens to every generation where God gives a revelation of himself. And people come to, to communicate that to others and to those that they love and to, to, to learn it themselves through, through patterns and rituals and practices and, and other things which in their own right are great. But then often for those people become the substitute to the core of the revelation of what God always gave and intended. And so every generation needs to renew 
needs to go back and rediscover and come face to face with God's revelation again. You know, it's the great irony of Christianity. And that so many stay so far away because they look at the church and they see what they call hypocrites. Can I just come out and say this? You're right. The church is filled with hypocrites. Can I just say this? I'll stand here as one today saying that I espouse certain beliefs that I don't, in fact, practice. But see, this is the irony of Christianity because in a way, you could argue that hypocrisy is somewhat necessary. Because when Jesus made these truth claims, he did not reserve them or exclude them to only a select few, but he made them available to all, and that includes hypocrites too. It includes people who don't have their lives all together, who aren't integrated human beings, who don't practice perfectly or even consistently their beliefs in accord with their lifestyle. In fact, really the only prerequisite of Christianity is admitting that you are jacked up. That you are a mess and that you are inconsistent and that you don't have it figure out and that, that your life is not in accord and harmonious with what, what you claim to be good and true and knowing that in that place, God even includes you. I'm not afraid of being called a hypocrite because I know it's true. And I know that God will even include a hypocrite like me and God will even include a hypocrite like you. And none of this, of course, is to excuse hypocrisy. No, far from it, it's to confront it in each and every one of our lives to say that God has made claims about reality and I know that I don't fit. But God has not kept me on the outside. God has invited someone like me to come and be a part of his movement too. And so this is the essence of what Christianity is. Is it narrow? You better believe it is. It says there is a way. There is a truth. There is a path to life. There are things in this world that are true and ideas in this world that are not. There are things that are right and things that are wrong. That there is a God and that he's knowable and he has stuff to tell us about not just the right way of getting on with it, but the way it actually is. But in that narrow view, having arms wide open and inviting anyone to come to that table, that table that no matter who you are, or what you're about, or what your past, or what mess you bring. No matter what your belief, or what your tradition. 
that you can come and encounter and interact with this God at that place, and he'll meet you there. And no matter who you are, say there's a place here for you to be a part of my thing as well. Too. That's what we do here. That's what Christianity is about. And my just hope is that in this day and age, with so many competing opinions and values and beliefs, which get covered up and painted over with a brush called tolerance, which sadly becomes an excuse to say I can't be honest about what I think. That you no longer be afraid. Afraid to see what Jesus himself has to say on his terms. And wrestle with him honestly in that place.